Froggy Howdy Do Who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 319. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire. Yeah. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Hey, 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 Doctor Who fans. Welcome back to another week. And another episode of the Big Blue Box Podcast. It's great to have you here. I hope you've had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who, Doctor Who related. related yes. Something Doctor Who related, mate. <laughs> got some big news breaks. The old geezer on the street. All right, mate. All right, mate. Doctor got, Who, mate. Right? We've got some big old news dropping this week, mate. Yeah. The bombshell. The bombshell. We've got uh, probably the best way to describe it is we've got some big but expected news has dropped this week stuff that we've been speaking about for a couple of months now or a few all months this, probably all these months of like nothing of tumbleweed and then two great big bombshells and well we've got the comic con and then a big bombshell mm. just like that boom 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 yeah it was like uh so we got some doctor who news coming up it's going to be big important stuff and we're like oh great what aliens coming back what special <laughs> characters coming in you know what's going to happen New costume for Jodie. Is it going to be something cool? No, no. costume must be getting stinky. She's been wearing that same costume (laughs) since day one. Yeah, it's like, no, no, no. Just that thing that you all knew was happening is just now happening. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Dude, you sound a lot better this week. Yes, I got a new mic. Yeah, just during our... um intro there i was adjusting the volume because we were talking before and i thought yeah it all sounds good um but when the music kicked in it was really loud so i was like desperately trying to find the volume on it still getting to grips with it but yeah i got a new mic yeah hopefully i sound better <laughs> hopefully sound very good yeah very smooth yeah. very nice 
when I plugged it in, I was singing. I was like, oh, la, 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 one, two, do, re, me. <laughs> Tested all out yesterday. Neighbours must have been thinking, what's he at? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully, uh, yeah, it's been a long time coming. I've been, obviously, the last mic, mic broken. Yeah, I've been wanting to get a new one for a while. And as I've uh, got a little bit of birthday money, I finally got one. <laughs> yeah. My other half was like, you're too old to get birthday money. I was like, shut up. <laughs> too old to get, you're never too old for birthday never cash. Never too old. Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 oh, you're way too old to get birthday money. I was like, yeah. Sometimes it's the preferred option. It's easier, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely easier, especially for me. And me and my wife are the same. We're so um, we we know exactly what we like and what we want. And so, typically throughout the year, we just get stuff that you know we don't save up. We don't. Uh, what's the best way to put it? So, if we see something, we won't say, "Oh, I won't buy that," and I'll mention it to so and so. They can. It's, yeah, it's a bit weird. They can get it for my birthday. So by the time birthdays and Christmas rolls around, it's like, well, what do you want? Well, I don't know, because I've got everything that I've wanted. Yeah. So not that we give each other money or cash, you know, that's I'm not saying that's the deal, but uh, it's definitely worth it with with uh, with kids, though. When kids get to a certain age, because up to a certain point, they like toys and video games and Lego and all that sort of stuff. But then mm. when they get into like their early teens, I find it's like, well, what are they into? Like my, my nieces and stuff, you know, well, what are they into? Well... I know, really. They'd probably just want the money <laughs> so they can save up for something or go and buy something. So, But that never stops. Never stops wanting the old birthday cash. So fair play, dude. As I was, was going to say, I'm like, you. Yeah, I've got so much stuff. And when people ask me, I'm like, well, you know. Uh, and I, and so a lot of the things, if you try to explain it, it's easy to just say, I'll just give you the money and I'll go and get it. Like the new you know, Doctor Who being M sets or whatever. But like um, yesterday, my, my mum came over and she said, uh, my, my sister's little boy was really excited. He'd found something. He'd gone to Quainton Train Museum. And he was like, he's found something for you. He's bought you a little present. I'm like, oh, what is it? And uh, he'd found me this um, Dalek. And it was all boxed. And um, it was just like in one of the, you know, they like have a little table of goodies that people have donated. And, you know, it's only a couple of quid. And it was one of the, um, the Moffat ones, you know, the Paradigm. Is that what they're called? The Paradigm Dalek? Oh, the pa- oh, colourful yeah. ones? Yeah. Yeah, and he come, he's really excited. I was like, oh, brilliant. I was thinking, and I could just, again, I could just see my partner, and he's like, he doesn't need any more Daleks. And he's like, you can never have enough. You can never have enough. So that was really sweet. Uh, no. Dude, you just reminded me, actually. I, I knew I was going to say something when you talk about the bombshell intro. Uh, you were saying about, like, you know, is it going to be an announcement of a monster or what, you know, that sort of thing. And um, obviously the trailer didn't show us any of the monsters that we already know are coming back. But did you see um, Stephen Moffat just went and blurted out on Instagram that the Weeping Angels are coming back? And I bet Chibbers is like, oh, no, he's let it slip. And everyone's like, but we already know. It's just like they're trying to keep it all secret. But everybody knows that. Oh, God. Well, I hope. Sorry, listeners, if you didn't know. But I'm assuming everybody knows. It's like it's it's been out there for months that the Weeping Angels coming back. Yeah, and Moffat just blurted it out on on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, so all that secrecy of yeah. not putting him in the trailer and, and all that sort of stuff just got blown out of the way. I think he put something like, oh, I'm excited that Jodie will be meeting the Weeping Angels before she leaves or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I'm not ruining that for everyone. That's pretty much general knowledge, right? Everybody knows, don't they? I think so. Yeah. Oh, well, I hope yeah. so. Sorry, I hope I haven't ruined it for anyone, but yeah. No, I think so. Yeah. But there's there's plenty yeah. of things we all, we've all seen that are still top secret. Mm. We've all seen them. <laughs> it's funny, I've isn't seen, it? It's the world, the world of fandom today. Eh? It's like, yeah, yeah, we've all seen it, but has everyone seen it? 
Well, you just said we've all seen it. Yeah, but has everyone seen it? It's like yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? But uh, apart from yeah, apart from getting a new mic, um, I haven't really done a lot else. Dot two. I did uh, manage to nab a ticket for the Evil of the Daleks BFI screening. Which oh, nice. Very nice. pleased about. Yeah. Again, nice. again though, mate, it's it, it sold out and it hasn't even gone on to general sale yet. So it go, goes on sale a week before to uh, BFI members. And then and then it goes on sale to the general public, but it's already showing it's sold out. So those events, mate, they're just getting so popular. I think I almost wish they'd sort of I don't know if how they could do it really, put them and put it on twice, do it in two screens. I don't know, or maybe they're just happy that they sell out. I'm not sure, but yeah, I know there's going to be a few dis- people, disappointed people when they go on general sale, including mm. our Rover reporter Maria. She messaged me last night and said um, she hadn't managed to get one. I was like, oh no, uh. oh, so. Yeah. Tough time. Anyway, but the they BFI, eh? she managed to get one last time, and I'm thinking that they will hopefully release a few before, you know, before it actually happens. So they they always tend to do that, don't they? They'll hold a few back, and mm-hmm. um, so she might still get one. Yeah, that's what I plan on doing. Just uh, having a look when it goes on general sale, because they normally release about I don't know a couple of dozen tickets when it goes on general. They hold a few back, and then weirdly, you'll get this random sort of burst of people excited on Twitter. Like, everybody, if you haven't got a ticket, go and have a look about yeah, a week. Yeah, get on there. Like yeah. a week outside of the event, all of a sudden. It must be the cancellations, I suppose. But uh, you have, like, you know, a few tickets pop up here and there. So should be cool. If anyone's listening thinking, well, why? Because you it's limited to two. You're allowed to buy two tickets when you're a member. Um, I'm not a member. <laughs> I was a member. Uh, if you're thinking, well, Adam, why didn't you get her one? Or why didn't I get you one? I, I'm not a member anymore. I, I was a member. Just I solely bought membership just to get early priority to make sure I got tickets to, you know, the Dot2 events. But even when I was a member, I missed out because it, there was a day, what was it? What was that one where I really lost my <laughs> lost my shizzle? Where I was on there the second. Oh, they, yeah. I, was a, I was a BFI member. <laughs> I was there the second they went on sale. And I got one in the basket. And then I went to check out and it said sold out. And I was absolutely steamy. I was like, I've paid for this membership, just and, I, and it still it still didn't get me a ticket. So after that, and I and somebody then managed to get me one. I think they, like you said, they released a couple more. But after that, I thought I'm not going to bother renewing it because it didn't do me any favors, you know. <laughs> and I and I literally only go for the dot two events. Although I absolutely love the BFI, I um I don't live in London, so it doesn't justify me buying a, a membership. No, of course, but, no. Um, no. Yeah, so a friend of mine. Um, Got got me a ticket uh, for Evil, which I was very 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 grateful for. But yeah, hold in there, Maria. They'll they'll release some more. They always have a few smatterings of, like you said, cancellations. And I think people who are involved in it are always offered free tickets, and sometimes they can't make it. So you know, there's always a good chance you'll get one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. September, I think that is. It is, yeah. And if you can't get a ticket, just come for the old mashup afterwards. Mash- That's always good. Mind <laughs> you, I mean, I, I've got visions of us not getting out out of the screen until about midnight because it's uh, seven parts, isn't it? Seven episodes, plus they show you a few sneaky new extras, and sometimes they have guests on stage and have an interview, and that is going to be a lot. That's got. That's the longest one they've done, isn't it? I think, I think so. even Shardo. Even was, sh- yeah, yeah. Yeah, was it? So that's going to be a long. I hope they have a toilet break. I really do. Oh, they will do, mate. Yeah. And as, as much They've as got I, to. as much as I love the BFI as well, it's such a lovely place to go, especially watching Doctor Who and stuff. Yeah. The seats at the BFI, they are a bit. Um, yeah. You, you do get sort of numb bum 
mm, yeah, uh, after a, after a couple a couple of hours of being sat there. Mm. So, oh, it was Talon. Sorry, it's just going to be it's Talon to Wen Chang, wasn't it? I think I didn't get a ticket for. No, yeah, you, were, you, were, you were. You were. Oh, I did in the end, but I mean, yeah. I think oh, that was right, the one that I bought a membership for, and then yeah, it just sold out like within about three seconds in front of my eyes. There's a GIF online of someone throwing a computer off a desk. That was me that day. I was absolutely steaming. <laughs> but yeah, I did manage to go. So yeah, never give up hope if you haven't managed to get one. There's always a chance. There's always hope. Yeah. Yeah, but that's yeah, it's going to be a long old day. That one should be good though. Should be good. Hmm. Yeah, it should be a good one. Hopefully, I will get a ticket for that and. Uh, yeah, if not, I'll just go and do some some shopping, do some gardening, at Forbidden Planet for a bit, and then meet you later. And yeah, so yeah, come to the mashup. Yeah, yeah, I'll go into Forbidden Planet and complain about the uh, crappy Doctor Who <laughs> merch on display, and then tweet well, about it, and then see what happens. Now, do you know what I've got to tell you? I, <laughs> I, I'm not even joking now. So after that picture was posted on Twitter, that everyone went mad about and, and uh, showing how poor the section was. Um, I went into Planet about two weeks after that, and I swear, it, I'm not exaggerating, it was even worse. There was about, I took a picture, but I didn't dare post it for fear of getting mobbed. Um, there was about three mugs on the shelf, a couple of T-shirts, and um, a load of those sort of uh, credit card holders. You know, like the little, what are they, they you put your Oyster card in. Oh, the travel card the holder travel things. Holders. Oh, yeah. There's about a million yeah. of them. Yeah. And uh, and uh, honestly, it was, oh, it's terrible. Yes, they had a load of CDs downstairs before anyone attacks me. Ooh. Yeah, they had all that downstairs. But I mean, yeah, man, it was, oh, it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> I've never spent such a short amount of time in Forbidden Planet as that day. Well, I literally yeah, went in, spun round, and, and went out. Yeah, yeah. I must admit, yeah, the last couple of times I went there, I spent more time downstairs with all the books and comics and stuff than I did. Yeah, upstairs looking at actual um, like collectibles and merch and stuff. But yeah, it's a weird one. It, we won't get into that too much. But yeah, some good friends of ours went in there, posted a picture of the absolutely abysmal display, and uh, as fandom has a habit of doing. These days, they just got absolutely lynched for it, which is ridiculous because, yeah, I've, yeah, you and I both have complained about it for years on this show. Yeah. It hasn't got any better since what, 2016 ish. Yeah. Uh, it started to deteriorate. So I've got no crumbs, mate. I'll stick it on Instagram and Twitter and all sorts. And <laughs> I did say, yeah. actually, um, I said, yeah, I'll, I said, I wouldn't dare post it. I said, I just, I just don't get involved in that stuff on Twitter anymore at all. I'll, I'll post pictures of my merch and that's it. <laughs> but I said, oh, Gary, he loves the ruckus. He'd have posted it straight away. He'd, exactly. He loves yeah. all that. Yeah. yeah. No yeah. one's going to tell me that I can't post on Twitter about <laughs> the truth because it's the truth. The the Doctor Who merch these days is absolutely shocking. Mm. Uh, no. You know, it's they make little strides here and there, like character when they start. Because um, earlier this week, they announced that they were going to put some old figures that were on sale. Uh, however many months or years ago, they were going to start. Um, whether they've got some left over or they've produced some more, they're going to sell those directly on their website. And they've put some pre-orders up over the last year or so. You know, so that's pretty cool. And then every now and then Forbidden Planet will do a custom run of T-shirts and mugs to promote a certain era like they do. They did a big ace. Um, oh, run yeah, they were cool. A while yeah. ago. Then they did this uh, Weeping Angels thing and then they did the Doctor Who in general. I think that, you know, this, so they do make strides. They do things from time to time. But generally speaking, it's nowhere near as good as what it used to be back in the glory days of. Yeah, remember that pick that we that, uh, 
that was doing the rounds. This was going back a few years now. Oh, well, that was uh, Toys R Us, wasn't it? That Toys R Us. Amazing. Amazing. And I can actually remember those. I can remember walking into those stores and seeing like those displays. It was mind-blowing. God, you just don't... It's it, it's mad, isn't it? Because you just don't realise how quickly these things are going to change. Like, you know, that seems like yesterday and uh, so different now. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's some new B&M sets coming out, which I'm quite excited about. There's a Sensorite set. You know, the bearded guys. I thought, how cool is that? Um, blimmin' BM, B&M exclusives again, though. I mean, it's just such a shame because they're nice sets, you know, for people like me that love the figures and stuff. And characters started selling stuff online which is great but mm. they sell out and you know which is all good but um these b&m sets mate you know sometimes they're really nice sets and just trying to get them before the blimmin ebay scalpers and the staff never know what you're talking about it's such a i would just love to walk into fp and be able to just see those sets on the shelf in mass quantities you know what i mean and they do sell that's the thing those sets do sell you look at that new tardis set b&m just released um Sold out in two days. Uh, you know, so many thousand units that they produced, and um, you know the the sort of classic series sets have got a good market and they sell really well. I would just love to see those sort of sets in FP uh, rather than having to s- scrabble around B and M trying to get to them before I've got, somebody goes and clears the shelf. Do you know what I mean? Agreed. Yeah. 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 So yeah, so there's still some a few nice little bits out there. Just yeah. it just always seems to be tucked away or exclusive to some but some shop or you know what I mean it's never just you can never just go into a forbidden planet and get it, for example. It's quite annoying. No, I read you. And even though the one in London is the mega store, like the flagship mm. store for Forbidden Planet. And there were some people that replied and said, Oh no, you guys are better than that. You know, you haven't included all of the Doctor Who stuff that's downstairs and stuff. But anyway. Anyone that got involved in that conversation on Twitter with our good friends, uh, their channel starts with a, a W and the second word starts with an A, then hit me up. Hit me up on Twitter and I'll drop some truth bombs for you <laughs> about that situation. So, uh, yeah. I told you Gary loves a ruckus. They uh, they did nothing but speak the truth. So, um, yeah. So I might go into FP, mate, see what they've got in there and then meet you guys after for a few drinky winkies. Yeah, do that. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully get a ticket there. Anyway, uh, should we get on to the news, dude? Let's uh, let's get on to this big bombshell that was dropped. Yeah, let's get into it, yeah. Righto. Confirmation. <laughs> Confirmation from the Beeb themselves. So good to be saying that for for months and months. We've just had, oh, the Radio Times says this and the Mirror says this and the Sun confirmed it's that anyway. The current bun. Yes, the current bun, yeah. So Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall are confirmed to be leaving Doctor Who after the trio of specials that are going to round up the end of next year. So in autumn 2022, as part of the BBC's centenary celebrations. The BBC's 100 years old next year. So as part of that, they are going to end on a on a big bang, apparently, those two. So we've been talking, like I said, we've been talking about it for months. We all know it's it was coming. We all knew it was a thing. Uh, they've just longed it out for such a long time that uh, it um, obviously doesn't have, which is, there's a big, in my opinion, there's a big grand sense of irony with all this that, Chris uh, Chibnall has been the the showrunner to keep everything so close to his chest 
and never reveal anything. Yet, ironically, the one big story that we're actually all interested in has been public knowledge for, you know, four or five months now. So in a grand scheme of irony, Chris Chibnall went on to say this. Jodie and I made a three series and out packed with each other at the start of this once in a lifetime blast. So now our shift is done and we're handing back the TARDIS keys. I won't read his whole statement because it's quite long. But he just goes on to say that, you know, Jodie's the best Doctor ever and Doctor Who has been the best it's ever been since Jodie's been the Doctor and it's going to be heartbreaking to see her go and all the rest of it. Uh, Jodie Whittaker went on to say that uh, in 2017, I opened my glorious gift box of size 13 shoes. I could not have guessed... The size 13? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could not have guessed the brilliant adventures, worlds and wonders I was uh, to see in them. Uh, my heart is so full of love for the show, for the team who make it, and for the fans who watch it and uh, what it has brought to my life. And then she goes on to say that, um, uh, I know change can be scary and none of us know what's out there. That's why we keep looking. Travel, hopefully. The universe will surprise you constantly. And then lastly, we had a comment from the director of BBC drama, Piers Wenger. He said, over the last four years, Chris and Jodie have made Doctor Who history and their time on the show is inde uh, uh, indelibly marked on our memories. From Rosa Parks to Ascension of the Cybermen, Chris and Jodie have given Doctor Who some of its most life-affirming and tear-jerking moments to date. And we are beyond excited to see what they have in store for us in the series this autumn. Jodie's final adventure to mark the BBC centenary in 2022 is set to be a Doctor Who special to remember. I'd like to mm -hmm. thank them both for their incredible work on the show. And just to circle back um, to what Chris Chibnall said, uh, because there has been some debate and some, some chatter about what they're actually going to do with the show once this wraps up, because mm -hmm. uh, we'll come on to it in a second, but the timing's a bit weird because it seems like they've focused very much on the BBC celebrations, the centenary stuff, and not on the Doctor Who 60th anniversary, which would happen the following year in 2023. Yeah. So it's a bit weird. But anyway, so a lot of people have said, well, maybe the show's going to just be rested. Maybe they're whatever. Uh, Chris Chibnall does finish off and say, I, I wish our successors, whoever the BBC and BBC Studios choose, as much fun as we've had, they're in for a treat. So that kind of suggests that nothing's going to happen to the show, at least in the short term, in the next few years. They are going to continue with a new showrunner, a new Doctor and everything like that. But interesting times, dude. And we finally got the, the confirmation. So at least we know uh, exactly what's going to happen, at least until the end of next year. Yeah, I mean, it's the 60th is the thing that worries me the most. Because I, I, I have been saying for a while, haven't I, that I'd got this gut feeling that they were going to... I thought Jodie and Chris were going to go up to the 60th and we'd have a big 60th episode and possibly they'd get David Tennant in because he's so involved in the show again at the minute, um, you know, doing all this big finish stuff. And um, and I, I just, that's what I could see happening. So I'm slightly surprised that the cutoff is now, like you said, just before the 60th. Um, and I, I did have the gut feeling that it was going to get rested. I thought they'll do a big 60th and perhaps they'll rest it for a year or two. Somebody... You know, another network might take it over or whatever. I don't know. Um, so I don't know where this leaves us at all. I'm really, really not sure what's going to happen. I did see some quote somewhere. I don't know where the hell it was from, from the BBC saying, sort of confirming that Doctor Who is going to continue. It's something about it regenerating into a new form or something. I don't know. There was something 
um, which I, I can't find the quote now, but I definitely saw it. Um, so with that sort of suggested that they'd already got plans and they were going to announce something soon, that it was going to be a, a new regeneration of the show. And I thought, mm. well, what does that mean? It was sort of worded very carefully like that. Um, as for Chimnall and, and Whitaker leaving, I mean, like you said, it's, it's um, no surprise. I think for me, the announcement... It was more the timing of the announcement, I think, which took me a bit by surprise because I woke up in the morning and I opened Twitter and it was like one of the first things I saw. And I immediately thought it was one of those Twitter accounts that, you know, there's one Twitter accounts that look like the official dot two account, but they've like put the T and the O the other way. So there's, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? So you can be fooled. You think, oh, it's not the official dot two. It hasn't got the blue tick. Um, <laughs> and then I realized, oh, no, it, it like it's the genuine account. This is a real post this is a real announcement and it it, it seemed odd I, I did sit there for a few minutes thinking what a strange way to go about it like you know we've just had the comic con panel bigging up series 13 and then they just sort of throw this out there oh by the way <laughs> it's like a, it's felt like a bit of an afterthought um yeah. so yeah the actual announcement itself not surprising but the timing just a, a little bit weird um i mean i i've just got to get this out of the way i i i've never been one of these people that can't wait for a showrunner to leave, you know, like with Moffat and even J&T during those eras, there are these sort of groups of people that are all the way through the series are like, you know, Moffat has to go. He's ruining the show and all this. I've never been one of those people. I've certainly never wanted to see any of the doctors leave before, but this is the first time when actually I've, when the announcement um, was announced, I was like, Oh, like side of relief. I, I genuinely, genuinely just have not really got, on board with this era and particularly Jodie's doctor. So I'm not one of those people that's sad to see either of them le- leaving. If I'm honest, I, you know, I appreciate they got their fans and I, I do feel for those people that are sad to see it go. I think there's a genuinely, genuinely a lot of fans out there that are gutted. Um, but I'm, I'm certainly not, an, you know, I'm certainly not, a, uh, what they call it, not my doctor. I'm not one mm-hmm. of those, but you know, I, I have to say, I just have never clicked with Jodie's doctor or the writing or the performance. And, um, I won't be sad to see either of them go at all. I really, if anything, I'm the, my first thought when I read it was blimey, they're still here till the end of 2022. I think <laughs> we still got another year and a bit of them. That's my honest, that's my honest first thought. Um, you know, I don't mind, I, I don't hate it. I, I just don't, there's no spark for me at all. And I, I just feel this era of, for me personally, anyway, my own feelings on it, it's just been a massive wasted opportunity. Um, I was so excited when JD was announced. You, you go back and listen to that podcast we did when she was announced. I thought she was going to be amazing. And I think she had a hell of a lot of potential. First female doctor could have been a really strong screen presence. You know, it's just been written so much better. And it, to me, I just feel like it just hasn't happened. I, I think she's been written to be a bit of a, a clown, really. I think they've they've gone for that sort of jokey, fun ray of sunshine. But to me, I just find it grating. There's no sort of depth to her Doctor for me, anyway. I, I just I've just never clicked with them. Um, and Chibnall's writing, I just find just doesn't read really too much for me at all. So I don't know. I, there's been moments, but I, I I personally am glad to see that they're moving on, and I'm sort of excited to see what we get next but on the other hand i feel like chibnall's taken doctor who down a certain road and i think it's a road that if they don't sort of continue at least 
kind of down that path. The, you know, I, I just think it's a difficult one to get to go back on. Um, I just feel that Doctor Who in the Chibnall era is missing that sort of dark sci-fi that I enjoy personally. I sort of, if, if you want to compare it to something, I'm thinking of like the Hinchcliffe era. That's just missing that sort of slightly darker edge and a bit more sci-fi. It's become too light and although it's dealt with some of the most adult topics we've had in Doctor Who, I think it, the way that they've sort of dealt with them has, has been strange. It's You've had like the some of the most serious topics like Rosa Parks with one of the most clownish doctors. It's, it's the, like the tone has just been very uneven to me. Um, so I'd, I'd love to see it go back to being a more gritty, darker Doctor Who with that fun edge um, rather than sort of what we've got now. But I don't know. I think it's gone down a certain path and I think it could could be hard to come back from and um unless you really shake it up and mm. whatever you do there are going to be sides of fandom that are going to you know kick off about it that's just inevitable you know what i mean you can't please everyone and uh, i just i just hope that they don't just do the same thing again i just hope the new showrunner doesn't come in and just try and carry on the chibnall legacy i hope they try and put their own stamp on it and perhaps try and find a middle ground, bring it back to more like the classic, but, you know, taking a bit of the new series. I don't know. I just, just, yeah, it it just (laughs) feels like it's moved away from Doctor Who a bit to me. So I'm not sad to see everyone go, basically, if I'm absolutely honest. I'm, yeah, I've had enough of of this era, personally. Yeah, I totally see that, dude. I think, uh, I think I share most of your thoughts, dude. I think, Mm. I think more than anything, I think Jodie was just let down a bit by the writing, I would say. Because you're right, she does have the potential to be a great doctor. Absolutely, she's a great actor. But, like you said, they wrote her to be this kind of... uh, What's the best way to put this? Like with previous doctors, and I'm not saying that she has to copy any other doctors or try and emulate them, but some previous doctors that have that do that stuff well like you said that kind of darker feel to it but just have that fun edge mm. to it it was kind of flipped with Jodie's era it was all that fun silly clowny stuff all the time and then every now and then they would inject this sort of darker edge to it and it, yeah it's just uh, the balance was just off I think with that and that's really down to Chris Chibnall I mean I wasn't too I wasn't too overjoyed should we say that Jodie was going I mean don't get me wrong I wasn't wasn't sad at all but I was more I was more happier with the Chibnall exit rather than the Jodie exit because even if she decided to stay on and do another series uh, which obviously isn't the case because of this three series and out thing that she had with which is very strange isn't it to, to do that it's like I thought he had a five-year plan yeah, he did Remember at the very so what beginning. To that? Yeah, well, well, it's been five physical years, hasn't it? Mm, but it hasn't. Right, been, yeah. By the end of next year, it would have been. But I don't know. But even if COVID hadn't have hit, it's weird because even though he said he had a five-year plan, if we didn't have COVID, he would have cut it short by two years, wouldn't he? Which is kind of mm. weird. But yeah, I think. Um, remember when David Tennant was leaving and he'd made his mind up to go, and he was always wrestling with that decision though because he said. It would be amazing to work with Stephen Moffat. Imagine having a David Tennant series uh, overseen by the Moff. That would have been mm. really interesting and cool. So if yeah. she had have decided to 
stay on, we might have seen a really good version of her doctor. That new showrunner might have said, look, we need to do this and tweak this and change that, which she might have been up for. But yeah, it's just, um, yeah. I, Adam and I, we don't want to sound like like negative ninnies here. It's It's not like we're bashing the show too hard or anything like that. It's not been terrible, but it's just really not clicked in a way that when we used to watch Doctor Who, it was like, right, can't wait for Doctor Who this Saturday, right? Mm. Like the, the rest of the world has got to stop. You know, we're not doing anything. <laughs> Very yeah. rarely would plans get in the way of watching Doctor Who. But I think in Jodie's era, it's like, for me, I know that I, there's probably been about a dozen episodes where I've not even watched it on the Saturday night. I've just watched it. You know, it's been recorded on Sky Plus and I've just watched it the following morning over breakfast. And that says something, you know, when you've mm. got, so yeah and also, dude, have you yeah. have you gone back and watched any i, I mean that's no. the thing i no. i was um thinking this the other day i thought you know even episodes there there's been you know some that i've sort of enjoyed um demons of the punjab i liked um i i quite like the one with the frog in the chair takes you away um but i was thinking have i gone back and watched anything from series 11 and 12 no i never gravitate towards towards those episodes because even the ones that I thought were quite good there's they're missing something that makes you want to rewatch them and I think that's the thing I when I say I'm glad that they're both leaving it's because this era I don't have that feeling of um there being something there that gravitates me to want to put it on I'm literally I I honestly think I'm only watching it now because it's called Doctor Who like mm. if it if it wasn't Doctor Who if it was a soap that was on TV on a Sunday night, seven o'clock. If it was, it'd be one of those shows. If it was on the TV, I'd leave it on, <laughs> but I wouldn't be purposely thinking, "Oh, it's seven o'clock. I've got to sit down and watch that." It's, it's, you know what I mean? It's just missing that spark, and that's the thing with with the characters and everything in the Chibnall era. There's been nothing there that I've gravitated towards, apart from at the beginning uh, with Bradley Walsh as Graham. There was a slight, you know, there was something there that was fun and interesting, but that soon went. You know, with the Matt Smith era, Matt's one of my favourite doctors since the show returned. I think Matt's amazing. But his stories weren't that great, you know. But the thing is, because he was such a great lead character, and and this is the same for me with Classic Who, when people moan about the stories not being good, I think, well, you know, when I watch Classic Who, I'm not... I'm not always watching it for the story. There's just something else there. You know, like some of the Tom Baker stories, they're not the best. But he's just so, there's always scenes that you look forward to seeing. And he's just so engaging on screen that he can lift a poor episode to make it worth watching. Um, you know, I'm thinking of like, so like, you know, K9 and Company, the, the spin-off. It's a, you know, it's really lackluster. It's not a great episode, but Sarah Jane's in it and she's, you put it on and there's something about it that makes you want to watch it. That is just totally missing for me from the Chibnall era. There's nothing there. Like, even if the stories weren't that good, if the lead was engaging or had a sort of a screen presence that I connected to, I think I'd still watch it because that's what happens with the Matt Smith era. I watch it for the characters, you know, and the, and the performance. And I yeah. just don't get any of that from the Chibnall era. There's nothing that makes me want to stick it on at all. I haven't, yeah, I just haven't rewatched any of it. I don't really have any inclination to rewatch any of it. And most of the Doctor Who fans I know, I say to them, "Do you have you? Did you buy the? Did you buy Series Eleven, Twelve? No, they bought. They buy everything, but they, have you bought them? No, I'm not interested. You know, I'll, I'll watch it on iPlayer. They don't. There isn't enough love or 
they don't want to complete their collection that you know this is not even in their collection i mean you don't own them do you you don't own series 11 or 12 do you no i don't have no. either of those box sets and i don't, I don't have the um maybe they did the standalone revolution of the daleks release as well don't own that either no nope. i think off the top of my head i can think of probably two friends of mine that are dot two fans that that own them that one of them in particular just loves this era you know mm. and that's as i said that's why i feel a bit hesitant i you know there's so much i want to say but i also i am aware that people there are people out there that genuinely love this doctor and have come on board with this doctor but um yeah but most of the sort of fans that i've known over the years are just yeah you know even the ones that don't mind it even the ones that are like yeah yeah i, I don't mind whisker but did you buy the box oh no i didn't buy it no you know it's yeah. not it hasn't got that that edge to it that makes you think well the yeah, you know there's a couple of duds but I'm, i've got to pick up the new set because you know can't can't finish on serious tech and I've got to have the rest of them on my shelf. You know, it's just not hasn't got the edge for me at all. No, you're not alone, dude. You're not alone mm. with that stuff. And yeah, to acknowledge and sort of reinforce what you're saying as well. Completely aware that there are people that listen to this podcast that are huge fans of Jody and this era and that's completely fine like they're probably thinking oh you guys are you doing my head in with this now, i know I, yeah i'm so and i, you know. I i'm aware of that because yeah. the last thing i want to do is be draining on and people listen to podcasts thinking oh for god's sake but also i just want to be honest and give be honest my yeah, opinion yeah. yeah i don't want to lie to you guys yeah absolutely and we would never do that on this podcast we would never be like oh yeah we actually think this is really good and then when we've finished recording we're like well that was a bunch of yeah you know yeah we'd never and do i mean that, that that's the thing that that does happen in Doctor a lot now. Um, if you sort of get noticed, by the, I've noticed this for YouTubers. If you get noticed by the BBC and you start getting perks, suddenly you seem to love everything and everything's awesome. And um, we're just <laughs> we've never we're not that podcast. I'm afraid. No, not you at know, all. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to um, give you an example of that, we um, we had the opportunity to interview somebody involved with Doctor Who. This is yeah. going back a few years now. And we had everything set up and then that particular person was like, actually, I need to run everything that we're doing past the BBC. So I need you to tell me what we're going to talk about. And then I'm going to give you some things that are off limits. And then once the show has been done, it needs I need to send it to the BBC for them to OK it. And you might need to make some edits and stuff. And as soon as I got that email, I was like, thanks for your time and everything. Um, but yeah, we'll give this a swerve. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for your time. <laughs> but thanks. But no, thanks. You know, we're not absolutely not going to start um uh, giving you guys uh, opinions that are just false for the sake of it you know never going to do that so and actually that is one of the things that does um i mean that's the thing i i said to you earlier i don't comment my feelings on twitter to do with doctor who anymore i literally just post merchandise pictures on there now i don't get involved in that because it has become a bit of a war zone and mm. I, i'm sure it, it it didn't used to be as bad i'm sure i know it, i know it's always been there but i swear at the minute you cannot there's a certain side, you know, two sides of fandom that you just, even if you get in the middle of that war zone, you just want to get out of there. You just don't get involved in it because, um, yeah, it seems it seems a lot of people out there are not open to criticism of this era. Mm -hmm. um, and criticism is good, you know. I mean, we, we've taken on board criticism of the podcast. If someone messaged us and said, oh, you know, you guys uh, do this or you've, you've got those wrong, you know, it does push you forward. You, you know, and so does opinion. What's you got? I actually quite. I know. I said earlier, you like getting involved in ruckus. We quite like people who have got difference of opinion. I mean, I love it if I go to a pub and we're sat down and people know I love time in the Rani, and they'll start. We'll start ribbing me about it, and I'll be like, "Well, yeah, but you know, this is why." And then we start talking about why I like it. Why do you hate it? Do you hate it because it's rubbish, or because you heard it was rubbish and 
you sort of jumped on that bandwagon or do you, you know, it's a discussion is good. It can be fun. You know, it doesn't have to be that we all love the same thing. Uh, it's nice when we do, but you know, it's, um, it's not bad to have a difference of opinion on stuff. Mm. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Sound mm. preachy now, turning into turning into Jody and turning to the camera and saying, it's not bad to have opinions, <laughs> <laughs> listeners. Yeah, in a script, turns to the camera, looks yeah. forlorn. Yeah, it's not bad to have an opinion. Opinions are, are good. Opinions are good. <laughs> so yeah, to cap this off then, mate, we're both quite glad, but not in a harmful, not in a, uh, disrespectful or harmful way towards Chris Chibnall or Jody. We're just glad that this era is coming to an end so that we can look forward to whatever they've got planned, whatever that might be past 2022. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, uh, to just to reiterate, I have absolutely no hate towards this era. I don't, it, I haven't really enjoyed it, but I'm glad to see this era coming to an end. And I hope that going forward, I hope what I would love is if series 13, something, in it really you know that i really enjoy it i would love that to happen um i'd love there to be something in it a bit like a lot of people with capaldi's series 10 they felt that that really clicked for them they you know and i thought it's a great series i would love that to happen with series 13 i'd love to get to the end of it when we've reviewed it and said you know what that was a cracking you know cracking series that and i, I finally feel like i've warmed to jody that'd be brilliant so yeah i'm still excited for 13 but I'm definitely looking forward to what the future holds. I'm slightly worried what the future might hold as well, but I'm I'm looking forward to change. Yeah, ditto, man. Yeah. Yes. So there you go. You knew it was coming anyway, but confirmed Jody and Chris are packing the bags. They're off. They're off. And I think it's going to wrap soon, actually. I think, uh, uh, where did I read? Was it Jody's quote or something? Basically, oh yeah. So she says uh, in that quote in the in the press release, she goes on to say, "So here we are, weeks away from wrapping on the best job I've ever had. I don't think I'll ever be able to express what this role has given me. I will carry the doctor and the lessons I've learned forever." So that sounds to me like the the bulk of stuff and these specials that they're going to go out next year. It sounds like that's all coming to an end in terms of uh, the cameras rolling and stuff like that, and then it'll be on mm. to post production and stuff. But uh, yeah, and also not to forget that we are getting an extra bit of 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 Jody that we weren't expecting as well. So it was meant to be the the three specials, but now we're so it was meant to be the two specials and that was it. But now we're getting those two plus this feature length adventure they're calling it. So they're not mm. calling it a special. It sounds to me like it's going to just be a uh, a made for TV movie. That's what it sounds like when they say a feature length. You know, when they say feature, it means like runtime of a film. So 90 minutes, whatever, I suppose. But So, yeah, uh, that's it. They're off. No more They're discussion off. needed. Yeah. Right. Review time, dude. Hit me. Yeah. So, yeah, Torchwood Series 2. I can't remember which episode it is, but it's called <laughs> From Out of the Rain. Step inside. She's so Jack. He's part of this freak show. The night travelers. They did exist. They only performed in the dead of night. So two people from a piece of film have decided to go AWOL. <laughs> What's wrong? My mouth's been drained of moisture. What the hell are they up to? <laughs> she 
said they were coming to steal her last breath. Time to bring the others. This way, please. Ooh, creepy stuff. Creepy, creepy times at Torchwood. From Out of the Rain was broadcast back on the 12th of March 2008. It was written by Peter Hammond, directed by Jonathan Fox Bassett. That sounds like somebody who shouldn't be a TV director, but more running the hunt at the Royal Equest, you know. <laughs> Jonathan Fox Bassett, very posh. Good name, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, starring. The uh, usual Torchwood Hub crew that we've been reviewing forever now through Series 2. And the- it does feel like we're stuck in a time. <laughs> yeah, my wife said to me, you're not still on Series 2. <laughs> I'm like, yep. And we've got three or four more episodes to go after this one. So, Yeah, this is episode 10, by <laughs> the way. <laughs> Synopsis is when an old cinema reopens, past horrors emerge to stalk the streets of Cardiff. As bodies are found with heartbeats but no breath, Torchwood must act fast. Who are the night travellers? How can Torchwood capture these mysterious breathtakers? <laughs> From out of the rain then, bud. What are your thoughts on this one? From out of the rain. So um, when we first started reviewing Torchwood, uh, I think I said there's, I can't remember a lot of it. I haven't watched it for so long. Uh, there are very few episodes I actually remember. But this has always stuck in my mind. I, I, this is one of the few episodes that when you mention the title, I say, oh, yes, I remember that one. And I think it's because of the imagery. Um, I, I remember at the time really liking this one when it said um, I, I loved all the circus stuff, the, the, the creepy clown guy, um, the sort of concept of them being trapped in film and coming out of the film, Jack appearing in it. There seem to be some really great ideas. And um, it, so this one sticks in my mind, although it was great to rewatch it and, and actually refresh my memory because um, I haven't watched Torchwood for so long, which is why I was looking forward to reviewing it. Actually, I thought, you know, it'd be really great to go back and revisit it. So on a rewatch, um, I still think there's some great ideas in it. And I still like this episode. It wasn't quite as good as I remembered. It was certainly a lot slower than I remembered. Not necessarily in a bad way. It just it sort of plodded off. Like, yeah, it's taking its time. This is not a rush around Cardiff after chasing monsters. It's, uh, you know, it's just a, a nice, creepy episode. Um, but I think where it sort of fell slightly off the wayside was sort of the ending, really. I, I, I don't know. It, it seemed to lose momentum a little bit, and it didn't... <laughs> It didn't really have a, a satisfying ending to me. I felt like there were some great ideas being thrown into the mix that they didn't quite know what to, to, to do with. Um, so, yeah, I, I still think it's a good one. It's definitely one of the episodes of Torchwood that I would put up there as uh, one of the better ones, certainly one I would enjoy watching again. Um, just, I don't know, just, yeah, it wasn't quite as good as I remembered. I have to be honest. It's, it seemed to. It seemed like it had a, a bit more potential. I suppose is what I'm saying. I think. Oh, they really could have gone to town on that. It's a great concept. These guys coming out the, the you know, the cinema out of the film. So yeah, but I liked it. I think it's a good one, and I think the cast are pretty good in it. Um, they seem more. They seem quite relaxed. Like the performances, especially Barrowman's, is very much toned down, and he's, he's playing a uh, playing it quite sort of serious in this, which I thought made a nice change. Uh, yeah, it's a thumbs up for me, mate. I still enjoyed it. Uh, I think it's one of the ones that I would watch again. Uh, I like it 
quite like it. It's just not amazing. <laughs> so, you know what I mean, I just got to the end and I thought, yeah, yeah, that was good. But that's it. I just thought, yeah, good. <laughs> Enjoyed it. Was it great? Hmm. No, but good. Hmm. What do you reckon? I had visions of like, I thought Gary's either going to really like this creepy one or he's going to be sat there bored rigid. <laughs> yeah. So which was it? So I was bored out of my I, mind. I had a feeling you would be. I don't know. I got about halfway <laughs> through and I thought, I thought I'm enjoying this. And I thought it is slow though, isn't it? I thought, I wonder if Gary's got to this point and he's really bored or <laughs> if he's really got into it. So you were bored. I was bored stiff, mate. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, dear. It's oh, really dear. weird. I'm not sure if I'm in sort of camp, uh, camp nowhere, like camp no up with this one where everyone seems to quite, you know, those episodes where the you? majority of fandom quite likes it and you're like, mm, I might have I watched a different episode or something. I hate it when that happens. Yeah. So I feel like I'm in that camp this week on this one. And I, I do apologize, listener. I think um, after you've just heard us talk about mm -hmm. uh, Jody and, Chibber's leaving stuff and now I'm going to be quite negative on this one so I do apologize but yeah I was just I was excited about the 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 premise of it and the idea and stuff because I don't remember watching this tortured one from years before when did this first go out 20 2008 yeah so I, I honestly can't remember uh and then when I started to watch it again I was like oh, okay I remember that little bit and I remember that character obviously I remember the the uh the main character you know um uh, what's his name? The ghost, ghost maker, the ghost maker. Yeah. I remember that guy and stuff, but you know, I didn't remember the, the woman who was with him, uh, or anything like that. But, oh mate, I just really, really struggled with this one. It was, uh, yeah, it's just really unenjoyable for me to watch because it's a bit like going into a restaurant that, you know, does really good steak, for example. And then you get it and it's mediocre and you're like, oh, that could have been really nice. But it was just, <laughs> I asked for rare and they gave me medium. <laughs> Not good. It's got that kind of feel to it where, because you and I really like um, sort of the scary not all the time, but, you know, we appreciate sort of when Tortured or Doctor Who, for that matter, does that kind of creepy, scary ones every now and then. And, you know, they really play on the, you know, sometimes in Doctor Who, especially in the classic era, they've lent into the sort of the hammer horror, you know, especially in that Hinchcliffe sort of era, that hammer horror kind of thing from time to time, which works really well. And then mm. some of the scarier ones from from 2005 onwards, they've had that more kind of um, ghost story uh, kind of feel to it, which is really good. So for this one, I was like, yeah, this I think this is going to be a real creepy one. And there are some little creepy moments in it, but... For the most part, mate, nothing really happens. That's the problem with it for me. Mm. Like nothing of consequence is really happening. Because if you think about, and you could argue and say that, yeah, but there's sort of a dozen people that end up having their breath taken away and that, you know, the makeup effect's quite good around their mouth and face and all that stuff. And at the end, it's quite sad. They weren't able to save everybody. They were. They did manage to save that that kid. But for the most part, if you think about some other Torchwood and Doctor Who things, you know, there's lots of people that are dying and stuff like that. Mm. So it's not like, yeah. Uh, but what I mean by nothing really happens is that this ghost maker dude comes out of the celluloid from the film. They've been preserved, haven't they, in the film. 
and when they get played at this old cinema which tosh describes at the very beginning as having like quite a lot of rift activity and stuff so you know something's going to happen and they they you know emerge you don't see them emerge at the beginning but it's later on when he plays the film you see the other circus circus dudes the night whatever they're called um what they called the night travelers you see them coming out of the screen and stuff like that but um like there's no I, i can't understand i can't put my finger on exactly what they're what their motive is in the story. It's like, do they want to conquer the world? Do they want to make everybody ghosts? Do they want to conquer Cardiff? Do they just want to get the band back together and go back on the road as a circus? <laughs> that would be great. You know, I, I'm, I'm yeah. just unclear on what it is these dudes are doing. And um, it's also weird that nobody can really it was quite frustrating as well in the script, the way it was written that nobody can seem to definitively put their finger on, right. This is what these things are. This is how we stop them. Let's go and do that. Like for some reason, uh, Jack's character is very not, he's not very forthcoming throughout the story about what's going on. I think he might just be a bit cagey about his past. Do you remember any time that he's been pressed on that? He gets yeah, a little bit yeah. withdrawn and cagey. So it might that be something up. to do with that, yeah. But mm. throughout the whole thing, it's almost like they're just drip feeding you little little bits of stuff throughout the story. So we have the conversation in in the hub, and he's like, "Yeah, kind of, kind of seen these guys before," and they're all confused. Well, yeah, but that's you in the film, mm. so you absolutely one hundred percent know who they are and what they do. And he's like, "Yeah, but," and then like. 20 minutes later then him and uh him and uh yanto having a conversation with a witness from donkeys years ago at the old people's yeah, the home. old granny yeah and she's then telling us as as the viewer what these things are and her experience and jack's still like mm, yeah and then right at the end it's like <laughs> so you still have no clue then, Jack, really, what these things are or how you're going to stop them. It's only right at the beginning, like, by accident, they're like, hold on a minute, maybe if we reverse the process, that will work because they were put on film and they escaped from film. Why don't we film them? (laughs) And then we'll take the film out in sunlight so it overexposes and they get wiped out. It's very, very thin and loose, the, uh, the, the, the plot and how things transpire and how it's concluded. So for me, mate, uh, Peter Hammond's script is just, it, it It felt like the script was turned in and nobody read it and they just started <laughs> filming it. So he, it was like, if some, because um, Brian Minchin, he's the script editor. Yeah. And it, this might explain something, but Chris Chibnall was one of the producers, you know, on the show. So, um, throwing some shade there but you know usually when you turn a script in on a tv show it goes through a bajillion reviews and all that stuff until it gets to the point where they're happy and they're like right okay now it's at a point where we can confidently put the cameras on and and start doing it it felt like the opposite with this one for me it felt like they turned the script in they left it forgot about it and then in the schedule it's like oh crap We've got that one coming up. No one's reviewed this yet. Well, we're out of time. We need to shoot it. So away you go. Not impressed, mate. No, I can tell. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked. I, I felt you might have found it a bit tedious, but uh, wowzers. Yeah, you're really not into this one. See, I, I find it 
it is one I think you need to be in the mood for because I think it's going for that atmospheric, you know, episode, which is it's totally different in tone uh, to the last one we watched, um, the something borrowed. You know, the wedding that was very action packed. There was loads going on. There was lots of humor and fun. This episode is very much uh, very slow paced, and it's for me. I find it quite atmospheric, and I was thinking actually. We always mention the music, or we often mention the music in whatever we're reviewing. The music, for me, plays a huge part in this because there are quite a few scenes where, like you said, not a lot is going on, you know, but the music, for me, really sets the tone. Like, it's a really good, creepy score in this one. Um, and I was there's a couple of scenes, and I was thinking, if it didn't have the music there, if you imagine watching a rough edit of this... I might be quite concerned as a producer. I might be thinking, oh, this is a bit flat. But you put that music on it and it makes such a difference. So for me, the music really creates a good atmosphere in this episode. And I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because at the time I, I liked it. As I said, it's just the imagery of the episode. And I like the ideas uh, going on in it about these people trying to escape from film. I think that's really cool. But but I, I found the end bit unintentionally funny when Jack is running around with a video camera and he's sort of <laughs> hiding behind one of the uh, theatre chairs, like trying to film him. I, it, it just made me laugh. I was like, what is he doing? Um, yeah. I don't think it's supposed to be funny. But yeah, I, I, I get it. I think it's one of those, I think, you have, A, you have to be in the mood for it. You do have to be a bit forgiving with the script. I think that's what I was alluding to earlier when I said that there's some great ideas in it, but it didn't quite doesn't quite pull it off, if you know what I mean. The ending, it just felt like all the ingredients were there but it didn't quite come together as well as it could have done. So, yeah, I think I, I, I do get where you're coming from, but I kind of went with it, and I, I must admit I did I did enjoy it overall. Mm. That's cool, but, man. Um, That's cool you enjoyed it's, it, yeah. Yeah, it's a different tone, though, isn't it? Like I said, even the cast are very much on a, uh, you know, like Barrowman is very subdued in this one. But I, I quite liked that. I felt like he was taking it a bit more seriously. But it's funny because I hadn't really picked up on the fact. I, I love the bit where he's in the film. Yanto spots him and I thought that played a bigger part in it I kept thinking yeah what's that about you know I remember loving that the first time I watched it it was sort of thrown in there and it was a shock and Barrowman's in the film what's going on you know uh, sorry Jack's in the film I keep you know let's refer to the character so I was thinking you know I loved all these little twists they kept throwing in the first time I watched this but watching it again I was thinking yeah they don't really sort of take that forward you know what, what was that about like like you just said he's there he should know a lot more about what's going on but he seems to be really holding back. And um, I guess that's just so they can sort of stretch the story out a bit. But then why put him in there in the first place? I don't know. So, yeah, as I said, lots of great ideas. Um, maybe they just don't quite come together, really. And also, um, my partner watched the first five minutes and said, oh, we watched this recently. I said, no, no, I haven't watched this for ages. <laughs> um, and then I think what we both uh, realised was it reminds us of the Sarah Jane adventures uh, episode i'm sure it's the same cinema or theater sorry you know there's one where they go to i think it's a, a cinema in that rather than a theater isn't it yeah, i'm sure it's so. the same location and it might even be the one where bradley is a clown I can't it is the one that's but, the one yep yeah so i was thinking all right that's probably what you know we're both thinking of because it did feel a bit familiar to begin with them going to the theater and it's i think the same location and they start watching something and things start happening and and all that sort of thing. Uh, and also, it does have a bit of a bleak ending, which is very tortured, doesn't it? Now, I quite like the fact that, 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 you know, not everyone survives. I think it makes a nice change. So you get this sort of slight, 
little moment at the end where it's like only one breath has been saved. You know, oh, which and you're trying to guess which one it's going to be. And it turns out to be the little uh, kid, doesn't it? So uh, it's typically Torchwood bleak, that. <laughs> but I thought it kind of worked because it gave me a moment of oh, which one is it? Which one survived sort of thing. But yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was a good little twist. But it is a bit bleak, I suppose, that not everybody lives this time. No, I read you. Yeah. How uh, many times they like... mentioned Hope Street as well? Oh, God, <laughs> Let's yeah. get down to Hope Street. Talking of locations and stuff, you know the character Jonathan. You know the the teenage son of the people who own the the um, yeah, the yeah, electro yeah. cinema. He's the one that's discovered all of the film cans and he's editing all the films and stuff like that. Yeah, his flat is the attic from Sarah Jane. Is it? Yeah, I did not notice that. Yep. I didn't notice that. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I. Because he's just sort of living in this warehouse thing, isn't he? Oh no, not the warehouse. That no, no. Um, but yeah. his flat, yeah. When he go, yeah. That's I Sarah can't Jane's believe I did attic. Spot that. Yeah. Oh, so they reused it, right? Okay, I'll have to have a look at that next time. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know what to say, mate. Um, cast, oh, cast. Would you like Julian Bleach as the ghost mate? Because Julian no. Bleach, no. What? No. I didn't like him as the ghost maker. Loved him as Davros. <laughs> Did not like him as the ghost maker, mate. Why? Because he can't. Re- he didn't really pull off the. Right here's my my biggest gripe with this. Right, mm. <laughs> is that you can see what they were trying to do. They were trying to have right when you boil everything down. They just wanted these scary, creepy people from a bygone age who have appeared through film to terrorise people and then realise that they can get the band back together by getting the film, playing it in the cinema. That's that's the crux of it, right? Mm-hmm. By way of doing that, they try to make it very creepy and scary. But unfortunately, his accent sounds quite silly. So um, instead of him coming across as this kind of creepy character... The only creepy bit, actually, that he appears in is right at the beginning when Jonathan is watching all the film stuff through and he appears on film, like, beckoning him to sort of come to the entrance of the travelling circus. And even when the power shuts down, you know, he's still on screen. That's a bit creepy. But as soon as he opens his mouth, he's got this silly kind of accent. And then there's a bit later that's, oh, mate, I'm really trying hard not to go off on one, but there's, <laughs> go on, there's, go off. there's a, throughout the, the first third of the story, I suppose, they show him at night, right? And his accomplice, the mermaid woman, who is in water for about half a percent of the, of the um, thing. And she's drinking water out of a dustbin lid. You know, that's, she's meant to be <laughs> yeah, this mermaid yeah. lady who can survive at the bottom of the ocean and stuff. And, a character describes her with glistening skin and everything, but yeah, they must have, the makeup guys must have missed the memo on that one because she just looks like, anyway. She's got a bobble hat on. So they only show them at night to begin with and it's like silhouetted at time. There's a woman at the bus stop trying to get a lift home from parents and they're not having it. And then you look across and it's raining and you just see them as a silhouette. But then the way he walks, he walks like a catwalk model, sort of he sort of, struts over and stuff and i'm just cracking up laughing so what should have been this really creepy scary moment i end up just falling about laughing mate but there's a bit sort of halfway through the story when they're in this little 
uh, I don't know, this car park thing in an industrial area. And he just sat there and it's the middle of the day and he's got his hat off and he's got like a strange, you know, mate, for me, it just falls completely flat. So any kind of intention that they had of trying to make this character scary or creepy is completely laughable. I, I thought my he opinion, was good. Mate. I thought he was good. I thought he really suited the role because he's got. I think he's got quite a scary face anyway. No offense to Julian Bleach, but he's got his very <laughs> piercing eyes. So I, I thought he was quite good. I mean, so not even the bit where he gets um, Owen and tries to take his breath and says, "You're dead." Not even that bit. No, no, it's ridiculous oh. because I'm trying. I'm trying to think of some other sort of horror style TV shows or films where they've done this kind of style um was he a bit too panto for you is that what you mean he's a bit too absolutely mate yeah panto just, villain yeah just complete panto villain and i mean he wouldn't look at a place in wacky races i suppose exactly yeah so yeah. uh mate I, th- that's the biggest thing for me is like i can completely appreciate and understand what they were trying to achieve hmm. but uh, as well as it being very boring the cast members just, I don't know, like Jack, it's great to see him not leaping around and jumping in that, mm. sort of trying to be Rambo. It, it, it's great to see him not doing that at times. So when he is like this, it's cool. But the rest of the cast members, it's like, well, did Gwen say anything in this one? I can't remember Actually, I've just, you know, I've just seen, I'm just looking at the cast list. I saw Gwen's name there. I just thought... Actually, I can't remember her being in it. <laughs> I yeah, can remember, she, like, because yeah. uh, Jack and um, Yanto kind of double up, don't they? They, they become a bit of a double act. Um, Tosh get, well, looks at the computer for a little bit. Yeah. Um, Owen, I I know what you mean. Oh, no, no, there is a, there's a scene where they go to the, the three of them are at the theatre. That's quite a nice That's scene the, oh, where, where yeah. Owen's yeah. bored and and um, Gwen's just taking the mickey, but but... Uh, Yanto being very geeky like myself is getting cross because he just wants to watch it. That would be me. I'd be like, shush, I want to see this. Whereas the other two are just totally not interested at all. So they are in that bit. Um, but yeah, actually, now you mentioned it, Gwen can't think she does, doesn't do anything, does she? I can't remember. Don't no, think she's, she's hardly in, in it. No, she's in the, she's oh, in the meeting she's at the hub. I remember yeah. the end because uh, they do get the, the hip flask, don't they? Which looks really plasticky, I have to admit. That's one of the bad production-wise. It may not have had the biggest budget, this one. That hip flask looks like it's like made of plastic. I mean, they could have just gone and got one from a charity shop, I'm sure, like a proper hip flask. But anyway, um, yeah, there's that. So they do... That's how it ends, isn't it? Well, they the, just, end, the ending is um, completely... I can't remember the end already. force-fed. It's, it's basically Jack saying, yeah, we've saved the day, but... There's oh, probably yeah, right. multiple other film reels out there where they've been oh, filmed before. Yeah. And then some dude at the car boot, he's like, how much for this, mate? He's like, oh, of course. Of course, mere moments after they've saved the day, someone's just bought a film with those guys. And he, he opens it and Jack hears the noise, doesn't he? He's like, oh, I've heard the noise again. Yeah, like, Whatever, yeah. Oh. See, <laughs> see, that's strange because I liked the beginning when Jack was picked up on something i thought oh that's interesting jack's you know something sort of like someone had walked over his grave wasn't it at the beginning i thought that was quite cool but um thinking about the ending it was a bit <laughs> tweet i suppose yeah it's like he hears it again and looks up Ooh. yeah 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 
Yep. Uh, so in terms of cast members, dude, yeah, I can whiz through those guys really quickly. So Eve Miles, she has a couple of lines. It's quite funny. Like the scene at the beginning at the cinema is quite cool. Yanto mm. doesn't have a bad one. Uh, Gareth David Lloyd. He's very perplexed in a lot of it, though. When he goes with Jack to see the old woman, she, uh, he's just staring at her with like these... <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the scenes I mentioned where I was thinking if this didn't have music over it, this scene would be falling to pieces right now. That was one of them. Although I thought the the old woman gave a great little performance. I was like, I don't know where they found her. I've never seen her in anything before or after. Um, but you know when you sometimes just get an actor that's giving like a really nice little two-minute performance <laughs> and seems to sort of raise the bar a bit? I thought she was really good. Oh, um, Eileen Essel as Christina. Yeah, yeah, she was a great little moment from her. But um, yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. There was a lot of staring and looking confused, and mm-hmm. and he like does Jack it a doesn't lot, say though. anything. Yeah, yeah. Jack yeah. just look. He just looks bored because he's been there and done it. He's he knows what's going on, so he knows yeah. the situations. He's just like he's kind of huffing every now and then and looking mm. around, like yeah, yeah. And then um, Yente's like, but he does it at the opening scene, that exact same face when he's studying the film. He thinks he can see Jack, and he's like, yeah, he's like. Oh, I also, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's pulling a great face, listeners. It's a shame you can't see this. Uh, yeah, so that, that was uh, him to a T. That was spot. But I, I did, that's the other thing I did like as well the fact that um, Yanto notices that the people have started going missing from the film. I thought that was a good idea. So he's like watching it and he's like, hang on, wasn't there a. Wasn't there a, a guy there a minute ago and that was doing this? And you're thinking, that's quite cool. So then you've got the film playing exactly the same, but without that person in it. I thought, again, a, a really nice little yeah. idea has been thrown in there. But yeah. yeah. You had um, Tosh. She was relegated to Alfred in the Batcave duty. So she, yeah, every now does and a lot then of she's screen scary. Yeah. Scary. Jack's like, what's going on? And she's like, hmm, hold on. <laughs> yes there seems to be a disturbance over at the old cinema it's like <laughs> we're having a moment to lose holy cinema batman let's go to, it's like that kind of sickest yeah. batman vibe with that the stuff. Electro. yeah <laughs> and then um and then owen so burn gorman again a couple of funny little one-liners he's kind of taken it in his stride not really bothered until the end when he gets uh thrown up against the wall by the ghost maker and mm-hmm. he's perplexed for about 10 seconds and then he's back to his normal self and everything's cool yeah i mean i, I must say there's the only bit i um in terms of like the direction and stuff i thought it was fairly okay you know pretty good all the way through but there was one bit at the start which i sort of thought could have been really dramatic and uh not quite sure what happened so it's, it's the very first scene i think where you got the circus and it's uh, you know supposed to be sort of back in whatever time and um, the little girl goes missing and then it's just suddenly the mum turns around and the whole circus has vanished and she's just stood there. So I think that's the very first scene, isn't oh, it? Oh, yes, yeah. Near the beginning, I was thinking yeah. it's strange because you've got that, that should have been a really dramatic moment. Like she looks up and everything's gone, including the daughter and the circus. And she just kind of stands, stands there and looks at the field. And I thought that was really odd. She, You know, it like, if you, I think, is that a pre-title sequence? you'd surely want like some sort of reaction or something to really get you think, OMG, what just happened? But she, yeah, she just kind of stands there. And I thought that was a really odd, maybe that's the way it was scripted, but it was a really odd directional choice. Like I would have said right now, look up and look horrified or scream or something. You, you know, your whole family in the circus has just vanished before your eyes. And this is supposed to be 
you know, 19, whatever. So you, you've never seen anything like this before in your life. And you know what I mean? But there was no reaction at all, which was odd because that was to sort of lead you into the story. And it was a very sort of lacklustre way to do it. And it mm. could have been, it could have easily been fixed that. So I thought that was, that was probably one of the few negatives I had written down actually. It was just like not the best way to start it, but it could have been, could have been brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it could have been like, oh my God, well, the circus has gone, what? Ah, you know what I mean? It could have really like led into the music and you're into it and oh, what's going on here? But instead, she just stands there for what feels like forever looking around going, oh, circus has gone. Oh, so is my daughter. Oh, oh well, again, put the kettle on. <laughs> you know, it's, a really, yeah. it's just a really lackluster start. But yeah. yeah, it's probably one of the few negatives I've got, to be honest. Okay. Uh, what did you think to the title? Because uh, it was referenced a few times throughout the episode, wasn't it? Where I think Jack, first of all, says it. It's like they came from out of the rain and then one of the nurses is like, what did you just say? And that's how they link the old woman <laughs> yeah. in the thing. And <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Yeah. Did you just repeat that plot device again? Wait, yeah. Like, what? yeah. Yeah, so that there was that. And then I think it's mentioned another time later on in the episode mm. and something like that but I, I, that's one of those things that when peter hammond was putting the script together is like oh, how do we get this tenuous link to work from that bit to that bit mm. okay if yeah. i didn't know better i i genuinely genuinely would have assumed that because in that scene when it's absolutely peeing down and i think it's the scene you're on about where they go to the bus stop i my first thought was um Oh God, it's absolutely pouring down in Cardiff. Typical. I bet they were. I bet this is a really like uncomfortable shoot where they were actually literally getting soaked. And and then of course I realised, oh, it's no, it's supposed to be raining. It's probably might even be fake rain. It's part of the plot. But if I didn't know better, I'd think it was just that they were watching it, thinking, oh, it's, it's a lot of rain in this episode. We'll, we'll make it part of the story. Because <laughs> yeah. is it the title for me is odd because it doesn't really sum up this episode. So like I said, I always knew that this was one that I quite liked. But I never remembered the name of it. So even when you said, oh, we're reviewing Out of the Rain next week, I didn't think, oh, it's the circus one. Oh, and I right. think, you, you know, yeah. previously I've said to people, oh, I like the one where they're in the circus, but I've never remembered the name of the episode because it, it doesn't really fit with the story for me. It doesn't, like like you said, what is, why do they come out of the rain? It doesn't seem to have any relevance, really. Yeah, especially as there's a few scenes where they're just sunbathing in the car park. Yeah, I, isn't that another uh, Sarah Jane location? I'm sure that Probably that bit not. where she's yeah. like drinking out the bin, I'm sure that was in the same one. But um, but yeah, no, the title, I, I don't know what I would call it, but I wouldn't I wouldn't have called it from out of the raid. It doesn't suit it at all. Mm. I don't know what I, I won't ask you what you would have called it because it's probably full of expletives. But yes. yeah, I would have called it yeah. something to do with the circus or something. Yeah, I electro mean, circus or something, something like around that. that. The night travelers theme would have been cool. Yeah, the night travelling circus or something, yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's mm. probably, there's sometimes they do have working titles, don't they? Maybe the working title was, was better. I'm not sure if there was one for this, but I don't know. Mm. Um, uh, I did like the music, though. I thought the music was um, quite atmospheric, I suppose, and not um, not sort of in your face. Who was on music duty for this one? I'm not sure. Um, I, I thought the music was very good. As I said, I, I think for me it really helped make the episode quite creepy because uh, it is slow. Um, but it, for me, it, it did bring some tension to the scene. So, yeah, I don't know who did the music, but they did a good job, I thought. Mm, doesn't say on this one. 
but yeah, so um, yeah, it just didn't match the the, the visuals that were happening on screen. Mm. That's the thing. Um, okay, have you got anything else on your notes, bud? No, well I have, but I can't read it. I've got one <laughs> little note that I can't read. Look, one sun. No, don't know what I've written there. Probably not important. <laughs> Probably not important. <laughs> oh, my writing's terrible. I should write it on a computer like you do. Right, whose turn is it to go first? Uh, I think it's me. I think it's you. And I get, I get the feeling that our scores are going to be very different this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going for a 7.5. Okay. Out of 100. No, out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> 7. 7.5. Okay, yeah. Uh For me, mate, I'm going with a 2.5. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's got to be your lowest. Come on, this is not the worst torture story. For torture, uh, for me, mate. Do you know what? It, um, there's probably a lot of a lot of people that really like this one, and probably um, if you're listening now, you're like, "Oh, come on, Gary." Um, but I've got to say, mate, I was so looking forward to rewatching it because I was really up for a creepy, scary story. Yeah, and at the end of it, mate, uh, I could have. I don't well. I laughed quite a lot during the scary moments. And at the end of it, mate, I was just like, I'm not going to get that time back. <laughs> I was so bored as well. I was so bored and it was not scary or creepy. It's like little moments of of coolness here and there. But, dude, really not feeling this one, mate, at all. That's got. I'm sure that's got to be your lowest score. Yeah. You uh, even preferred the one with the, the love shell. More than this, the one where Owen's carrying around that blimmin' shell. Oh, a day in the death. Oh, yeah. Well, that had at least that had some, some. Uh, what's the word in the script and the writing? At least it had a bit of uh, competency in mm-hmm. getting characters from A to B through the story, and you know, going through stuff. This one, I can't get my head around around this one, mate. Uh, but do you yeah. think it had? Do you think it had potential? Definitely. Or, yeah, because yeah. I was going to say, when you break down some of the ideas in it, which I like, they are a bit ridiculous. I mean, I, I will acknowledge that. Like some of the ideas, which I, I just, I always like it when a writer throws in ideas, even if they don't really work. I just love it when people are being imaginative, if you know what I mean. And I think the writers definitely got some good stuff going on there. But, um, but I don't know. The, the reason I say that is because I think there is a bit where Tosh is saying something about she's sort of being a bit given a bit of exposition and i thought oh it does sound a bit silly on <laughs> you know when you when you think about it but um yeah i don't know mm. i i just like the fact the writer is trying something different but so there is potential there right but you just didn't think it come together yes yeah, definitely potential it could have been right. a real banger it could have been yeah even if the uh because it's one of those isolated monster of the week things even mm. if it didn't end up being uh, like a highlight of the series. It still could have been one of those uh, talking points as you're talking with people at the pub about torch with like, oh, well, did you let your kids watch from out of the rain? Because it's really scary, isn't it? And it's like really the Nightmare creepy. Man sort of thing in Sarah Jane, which was a great creepy episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But instead, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's weird because, it, do you know what? In my, in my memory of this episode, I thought they got trapped in the film. I think I was mixing it up with Jack being in the film, if you know what I mean. I was thinking, I thought, oh, I'm sure, like, they start filming them and then they're trapped in the film. 
Um, but that didn't happen. So I don't know what I must have imagined that. But that that would have been quite cool, really, wouldn't it? If the like maybe it just needed a bit more threat, like you said. It's just that you know if maybe they turn the tables and actually they start putting. Yanto and Jack in the film and they're trapped and they got to try and get them out and also defeat the do you know what I mean there was a mm. lot they could have done there was a lot they could have worked with I think yeah but, I think uh, so. yeah, yeah yeah and I think that's why I said in my mind that I think it wasn't quite as good as I remembered but I still liked it oh cool man yeah I'm glad you enjoyed yeah. it though uh, 7.5 yeah, yeah. from you I think um and also uh, just lastly um because it's torchwood and it does have a bit more wiggle room for the adult uh, audience they could have made it even scarier than what we'd seen in the past from Doctor Who and stuff. They could have made it a proper horror. They could have gone for creepy, it, yeah. Like a full-on, like, just go for it, but, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. It could have definitely pushed the boundaries just a bit more. It didn't yeah. need to go silly, like Series 1 gore, but it could have pushed the boundaries a bit, yeah. Yeah, so it's more panto than horror for me, anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Right, so 2.5 from me, 7.5 from him. What do our listeners think, though? We had a, a few audio listeners in, as, as usual, mm-hmm. uh, our regulars these days, it seems. Let's crack on first with Mr. Joe Turner. From Out the Rain is a creepy story. Julian bleaches champagne casting as the ringmaster. I love the idea of the night travellers. It's so eerie, especially when the Torchwood team keep hearing that terrifying circus music throughout. The first half of this episode is great. It's scary and it establishes the myth of the night travellers in an effective way. However, once the night travellers are released from the film footage, I felt as though they lost their threat slightly. I much preferred when we saw them on the film footage, especially the image of the ringmaster that kept appearing. The mermaid woman was just odd and very pointless as all she did was wave her arms about whilst pulling strange faces. The torture team are good in this story. Jack does a good job by establishing the myth, whilst we get to understand more about Yanto's love for the Electro. It's a very bleak episode, with only one of the Ringmaster's victims surviving, and the ending could have been stronger. However, I do like that we get to hear a little bit of the circus music towards the end of the episode, when the Torture team think they've defeated um, the Night Travellers. So it just leaves... Um, the book open for maybe the night travellers to return one day and it questions whether Torture really did defeat them. So overall, I'm going to give this episode a 7.5 out of 10. Thank you. 7.5, same as me. Same as you, bud, yeah? Mm. Yeah, uh, it does leave the door open, I guess, if there's potentially loads and loads of film canisters knocking about with these (laughs) dudes on it, they could... Yeah, they could come back multiple times. Mm. There you go. That's Jodie Whittaker's finale all sorted. The night travellers are back. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chibbers was on this one, so it could bring them back to Doctor Who. Yeah. There we go. Thank you very much, Joe. Found it creepy. Okay. Moving on, Mr. Neil Campbell. Let's do it. What about you, fellas? How's it going? So, Torchwood from Out of the Rain. It's a dead creepy episode and I think it hones in on the fact that a lot of people in society in general are freaked out by circuses or clowns or travelling shows. And with Julian Bleach in the story, he has the ability with his voice to creep people out. Like he has that voice and obviously he would go on to play Davros and Doctor Who a couple of months later, but him and his travelling companion are very strange. But... There's so many good things in this episode as well. Like, 
it's creepy, like I said, but I like the whole old-fashioned cinema. I like that scene with Christina, which was sad at the start because she said that nobody ever comes to see her. But whenever she said to Jack, your eyes are older than your face, it means you don't belong. He was very taken aback by that, but I thought that was a nice nod to Jack's whole backstory. It was good to see Yanto get to do a bit more. And obviously at the end, you know, to save the young child, which is sort of like a recurring theme in Torchwood. A lot of episodes involve children, but... I like the ending where it planted the seeds for where the night travellers maybe have escaped. So I thought that was pretty cool. I think it's a strong story. So all in, I am going to give this an 8 out of 10. Cheers. An 8. An 8. And he liked Julian Bleach's voice, something you didn't like. Yeah. You weren't impressed with the voice, were you? Yeah, I wasn't on on board with the voice, but um, Mm, I can see why people would like it, though. Totally. I can see why people like Neil would would be into that and uh, yeah i think that's a common theme in the feedback uh, in the review sorry that uh does it potentially open up the door you know years down the line i'm mm. um, surprised big finish haven't jumped on that yet oh give them a time give them time. time yeah an eight from neil though thank you very much neil moving on from dan and sammy satine G'day, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here. Sorry from out of the rain. I like this story. I find the whole taking your last breath thing interesting. I also like how Jack uses his brain, which doesn't happen too often for some reason, and works out how to defeat the film creatures from the circus. Julian Bleach really knows how to play creepy characters, doesn't he? I mean, this ringmaster, the nightmare man, Davros. I do have questions, though. How does a mermaid made of film drink and bathe in water? What was with all the candles around the deserted pool? Where do they get the flask from? And how come Torchwood doesn't just destroy all the old film reels? Or at least the ones with the circuses on? I like the old lady. She seems lovely. I give it eight mermaids out of ten. See ya. Another eight, though. Yeah, you see, Sammy would have sussed that out. She would have sorted this out straight away. Yeah, that's destroy yeah, the film reels. That might have been a more interesting episode if <laughs> if it just lasted ten minutes, where they just rounded up all the film canisters that that dude had in his flat and threw them on the, the candles. Just got the sledgehammer to him and just smashed everything up. Job done. <laughs> yeah, you, you make some very good points there, Sammy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's something like mermaid. <laughs> yeah, the mermaid that we have. What was that about, dude? Drinking from the bin. I don't know. I didn't really pick up on it much at the time but well they said that <laughs> in the episode they said this is the human mermaid and you'd believe that she could live underwater or something but we never see her fully submerged all she is is lying in the bath in the oh, bath yeah, for a bit I forgot about that bit yeah but even then her hands and feet and her face are above the water she's not doing anything mermaidy mm. and then somebody describes her oh she she had beautiful glistening skin glistening skin and then it cuts to her and she's just pale like the makeup team have not done anything to sorry yep thank you very much sammy eight out of ten good score lastly this is <laughs> tn66 from after the rain is very good torched episode i love the concept and this traveling show trapped on film who slowly overtake the footage and begin to escape and it reflects on the legacy of film and the entertainment it killed off along the way it's a very creepy and sinister story. I love seeing Julian Bleach as the ghost maker stalk the streets of Cardiff as he steals the breath of others, as he brings a really creepy and unnatural performance. 
I do kind of feel though, considering his performances as Daphros and the Nightmare Man, I could have used them slightly better. The story has a strong mystery and strong plot threads as they untangle the truth of the mystery, but I do think the ending is a bit rushed, even though I like the tragic but hopeful ending in that everyone whose breath was taken dies but one survives. It's a story I wouldn't expect to see in Torchwood, but I kind of welcome it and find it a lot of fun. I'd give it a 7.5 out of 10. 7.5. Another good, yeah, decent score. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. TARDISnet, do you make a point with this? Is it, you wouldn't expect to see it in Torchwood. Do you reckon this would have been a cool Sarah Jane? Well, I was thinking that, but then I, I thought, like, um, I forgot that Julian Bleach played the Nightmare Man. And, you know, I'm starting to see a lot of similarities between this and perhaps that story. Um, So maybe they sort of did their own version of it. I don't know. I can't remember, but... Yeah, it, it could have worked as a Sarah Jane. Like you said, this this could have worked as a Torchwood, I think, if they'd have just upped the scariness. Like, you know, Julian Bleach's uh, character didn't really do a lot in this, now I think about it, and he, he could have been utilised a lot better, like TARDISnet says. Yeah, He definitely could have been a lot scarier. I mean, that's I remember him being scarier as well, but he doesn't really do much in this, now I think about it. Yeah. yeah. Because the um, in its finished state, this could have gone out as a Sarah Jane. There's nothing scary, scary in this that would have creeped no, out kids or anything actually. like that. So I don't know. Make mm. a good point, Tyler Snip. Mm. Yeah. 7.5 though. Not a bad score. Yeah. Thank you very much. Audio reviewers, much appreciated as always. Let's move over to the socials over on Twitter. Our writer, Jordan Shortman says, I've always liked this story. I think as a massive horror movie fan, I've always loved creepy things. Julian Bleach is terrific as the circus leader, but one wonders if given how... The writer created Sapphire and Steel. It might have been a better story for that series instead. Did he? I didn't know that. Mm. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, good point, Jordan. Thank you very much, dude. Uh, Doctor Who Home says, feels like a bit of a weird one. Maybe a plot that could have been in SJA or Doctor mm. Who, which they then adapted to be a bit more adult, question mark. Uh, the end is a bit of a downer too, with only one victim surviving, but hey, that's Torchwood. Maybe a six out of ten, I don't know really, just a bit average. Okay, okay. Uh, Chippy T says there are some great ideas in the episode. It's a bit Twilight Zone slash Goosebumps slash 60s or 70s weird Avengers story. Circus is a big trope in Who, and this is a good one. 6.5 from me. Cool. And lastly on Twitter, Sarah Louise, the running Whovian, says a great story. You can't go wrong with a circus setting for a spooky tale. The opening scene reminded me of SJA's The Day of the Clown. Yes, it yes. was yes, yeah, it was well cast with very creepy lead characters and having them escape the film reels was an interesting concept as was the resolution an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Not a bad score from uh from Sarah and over on Facebook just one comment over there from Andrew Stewart it says from what I can remember I loved this episode I found it funny but with a good mix of scary I love the scene in the cinema where Owen is just cracking out funny quips about the people on the screen. That was quite funny. Uh, yeah. The villains, especially Julian Bleach, were very creepy. So I'll give it 8.5 out of 10. Not perfect, but one of my fave stories from Torchwood. But definitely should give it a rewatch. Cool. Dude, I had no idea that it was Peter J. Hammond. The writer was the same guy who created Sapphire and Steel. Didn't didn't put two and two together at all. Mm. Um, he, he's written loads over the years, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, wow, he's an accomplished. Uh, I did not yeah. did not realise that. Yeah. Wow. 
Do you remember Sapphire and Steel? I do. Was it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a crazy program that. Yeah. That makes sense actually. Now you think about it, it has got that feel to it. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah, I think the novel. I think the book of um, uh, like the opening pilot or whatever it was they did for Sapphire and Steel. I think the book's really good. I had that somewhere, mm. um, which I think is written by Peter Hammond. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Sapphire and Steel. Yeah, crazy. Um, yeah, he's done loads of Doctor Who and Torchwood stuff though over the years. Yeah. plenty by big finish I think so yeah he's a he knows his onions when it comes to sci-fi and Doctor Who and stuff but I'm afraid Peter a lot of respect for you and stuff but for me fell flat but good news uh, our listeners uh, seem to enjoy it which is good and you seem to enjoy it mate so. as did I yeah. as did you yes right next week dude what we got next week so yeah it's the 11th Doctor story next week and it will be the Bells of St. John oh yeah yeah we're going going to the shard we knew their caper we knew what was going on back then with the bbc didn't we we knew what was going on it was like right that's all for doctor who this year returning next year oh yeah blah 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 we're like what we're still in the middle of series seven what's going on that was episode five done what's going on oh we have to wait until until next march i read you yeah it was a split wasn't it yeah Yeah. thanks bbc for that Mind you, we didn't know how good we got it. Look at the look at the gaps we've got now. Yeah. Anyway, I won't go down that road. <laughs> so, yes, uh, some Matt Smith action next week with some Clara and uh, lots of motorbiking around. Oh, not Clara. Uh, and Clara, yeah. So lots to look forward to, it seems, for, <laughs> for next <laughs> week. Probably been one of our most negative podcasts ever. <laughs> probably got no listeners left. Yeah, they've all switched off. They've all switched off by now. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, bud, uh, shall we wrap there for um? What is it this week? Three one nine. Three nineteen. Three nineteen. Let's wrap there for three nineteen. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming back and listening to our podcast for another week. That was 319. It was great to have you on board the TARDIS as always as we went through the big bombshell news about Jodie and Chris Chibnall buggering off from the TARDIS, <laughs> leaving the keys under the doormat and seeing what they're going to be up to next. Who knows? But yeah, their era is coming to an end at the end of next year. So we've got Series 13 that's going to start in the autumn. bit ambiguous, the autumn, whatever month that is. And then next year we've got the two specials plus the one-off feature. So let us know your thoughts on the news that you already knew. Yeah, hit us up on Twitter and stuff and, yeah, tell us what you thought. I do hope that Chibnall throws a match on the console set as he leaves. (laughs) (laughs) Get rid of that thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of conversation we could have around that for sure but yes that was the news and then thank you so much for those of you that sent in your reviews for From Out of the Rain much appreciated as always next week as Adam said uh, The Bells of St John so get that watched because we'll be asking for your reviews as always Uh, in the meantime remember to follow us on whatever podcast app you listen to your podcasts on that way you won't miss a show when it lands every Friday and if you've got a minute to leave a rating and a review, that would be awesome because it helps us out a lot. Or you can listen to our show over on the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. Listen to all the shows for free there. Plus, you can check out all the reviews and articles from our writing team. It's all very good stuff over there. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Links on the website. Come and give us a like and a follow over there. 
Plus, we have a free Discord server, which is uh, takes just two minutes to sign up uh, and join the community over there. Lots of cool Doctor Who chat uh, going on over there. So come and do that. And also, remember to check out my co-host channel over on YouTube. It is The Geek's Handbag. The Geek's Handbag, yes. Loads of vids over there for you to watch. And I'm on all the socials. Don't forget about them Facebook, socials. Twitter. Yep. But I don't post opinions. No, I do. I do. <laughs> I do. I do occasionally. But yeah, I do like to chat. He does like to chat. Yeah. So The Geek's Handbag, that's the name to remember. On YouTube and the socials, go and watch all of Adam's vids on there. Get comfy. Some great geekery stuff to be had. Mm. Until next week for 320. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, a. Hey. Hey.